Well, let me ask you a question tonight. It's an important question. Some of you have heard me ask this question before. I hope and I pray that you can say yes. But let me go ahead and ask the question. Have you talked to the Father today? I know you've been to church. You brought the King James Bible with you. You may have even witnessed to someone today. But have you talked to the Father? Have you communicated with Him? Has He communicated with you? Have you listened to what He said to you? Those are all very, very important questions that fundamentalism needs to wake up and answer. If we're going to ever have revival, we're going to have to get back to the doctrine of obedience. I've been doing this now for 20 years, calling the church back to prayer. I doubt that I have ever preached a message just on how to pray. Someone asked me why. Internationally known pastors said, Brother Beckham, I have heard you preach many, many times. Why don't you preach on the power of prayer, the essentials of prayer, possibilities of prayer? Why don't you, why don't you touch on those things? Seem like all the messages that you preach in your revival meetings are messages trying to get the church prepared to pray. Is that right? I said, you're absolutely right. Because the average church, the average independent fundamental Baptist church is not ready to pray. You know why? Let me just mention one or two places. York, Pennsylvania, and I got the pastor's permission to do this, he said, Brother Beckham, I want you to tell everybody about what took place at the Bible Baptist Church of York, Pennsylvania. I walked in there on a Sunday morning, nationally known church, runs about 600 at the time. And I just stood, oh, it was a loving church, friendly church, soul winning church, all this stuff, I thought. And I began to preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And that friendly, soul-winning, separated, Bible-believing church, the Holy Ghost began to convict hearts. The first heart he convicted was the pastor. The pastor stood and confessed some things to the church. And then it followed the deacons, the Sunday school teachers. People just started standing everywhere. It would be 9 o'clock before I would even get in the pulpit. We would stay until 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. People started getting saved. 
pastors started, former pastors started walking down the aisles with bags. I'm not talking about grocery bags. I'm talking about garbage bags, full stuff that they cleaned out their home, alcohol, pornography, drugs, all types of stuff. Three former pastors got born again. Homes got put back together. Children got saved. Teenagers got saved. I lost count somewhere around 70. It went for the first week. People still coming down the aisles. Second week. Had to cancel a meeting to stay there. Third week. The fourth week. The fifth week the sixth week, the seventh week. I called Pastor Wilkerson, asked him if he would come and, and just help me on a Friday night. One of the, I believe it was the final Friday night. People just started getting saved. He said, oh boy, Brother Beckham, God really blessed you, didn't he? No, he blessed his word. He blessed his word. And so I left. After seven weeks, Brother, Brother Bill Shutt called me. Pastor Bill Shutt called me. And he said, Brother Beckham, folks are still getting saved almost every day. Amen. Every, almost every day, Brother Beckham, people are getting saved. And he said, they're walking down the aisles on Sunday. And he said, I'm baptizing someone every Sunday from getting saved during the week. And he said, I just wanted you to know Months went by. Now it's been almost almost two years. Fifty families joined the church. Fifty families joined the church. Someone asked me, Brother Beckham, why? Why did that happen at the Bible Baptist Church of York, Pennsylvania? Why did that happen at Bailey's Grove Baptist Church in Asheboro, North Carolina? Pastor John Shook. Why did that happen at Moxville, North Carolina, under the leadership of Dr. Daryl Cox? Why did it happen? I'm going to share with you from the Word of God why it happened in those churches and why it can happen at First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. Would you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15? 1 Samuel chapter 15 in verse 22, preaching on this subject tonight, obedience in the life of a Christian. Where there is no obedience, there will never be a relationship, a praying relationship with God. You must obey the Bible to have that kind of relationship with the Lord. Listen to the text. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as they, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey, underline it in your Bible, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Father, thank you. 
Thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you for the testimony. Thank you for the permission to use them. And I pray, Father, that you will do it again. But do it here at the First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. Do it again, Father. Send revival. Help us to be honest. Help us to be obedient. And we'll give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. The context of this verse is an incident in the life of Saul. Earlier in the chapter, in verse 3, if you'll follow along with me, he had been told by the Lord to do something. Notice what it says in verse 3. Go and smite Amalek and utterly, utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. He, God, told Saul, to destroy all the men, all the women, all the children, all the cattle, and etc. But the problem comes when Saul disobeys what God told him, as we see in verse 9. Look at it with me. But Saul and the people spared Ahag and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fattenings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would, listen, and would not utterly destroy them. But everything was vile, and refused that they destroyed utterly. Then Saul makes it worse by lying as you see in verse 13, and then trying to shift the blame in verse 15 and verse 20 and 21. And when we pick up in verse 22, Samuel has met Saul and is rebuking him. Notice what he rebukes Saul for is not Saul's lying or trying to justify himself, or trying to shift the blame to others, but notice in your Bible, for not obeying the voice of the Lord. See, Samuel knew that the other signs were a result of the main or underlying sin of disobedience. Can I report to you it's the same problem today? We need to be obedient. Let's look at some things about this word obedience tonight, because I'll say it again before I even get into the message very deeply, that unless you live a life of obedience, unless you do what God tells you to do, on a minute-by-minute basis, day-by-day, week in and week out, month in, month out, year in and year out, unless you live that type of life, you will never have a prayer life. You will never have what, what the Bible talks about, a victorious life, a full surrendered life. And I don't know about you, but I would guess that that's the kind of life that you would want to live. 
That's the kind of life that Brother Beckham wants to live. Look with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 30. We're going to deal with some problems. Deuteronomy chapter 40 and verse 30. To begin with, we see that obedience is the proof of repentance. A word that we hardly ever hear much about anymore. But you're looking at a preacher that believes in the old doctrine of repentance. Deuteronomy chapter 4, in verse 30, the Bible says, When thou art in tribulation, and all the things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, and thou be obedient, listen, be obedient unto his voice. God says here that the proof that you have really turned to me is that you obey my voice. And there's more in the Bible than just study to show thyself approved unto God. There's more in the Bible than just soul winning. There's more in the Bible than, than being separated from the world. The first thing that we are to do is to be obedient to talk to God without ceasing. To be obedient to talk to God everywhere. To be obedient to talk to God everywhere and not faint. Obedience in that area is what's going to bring revival to America and around the world. And this truth is found throughout the Bible. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, if you want to turn there, it says now he turned to God from idols to do what? To serve the living and true God. That's why we repented of our sins and, and, and asked God to come into our life. We didn't do that just to uh, sit around in a church somewhere and go through the motions. We got saved to serve God. We turned from our idols to serve God. And what is one of the best ways to serve God? It is by our prayer life by our relationship with, with Jehovah God. I really wonder about the salvation of some who never shows any fruit in their life. Have you ever wondered about someone's life? They don't bear any kind of fruit. They have no desire to talk to God. And, and, and their life is fruitless and, and they are unhappy, and they are up and down like a yo-yo. But they come to church. They even go soul winning sometimes. They even read the Bible. But the true fruit of being born again, where is it? I believe that the Bible plainly teaches that the main fruit of a Christian and the main desire of a real born-again Christian is his prayer life. Because a man that doesn't pray is not going to be much of a soul winner. A man that doesn't pray is not going to be much of a preacher. 
A man or a lady that doesn't pray is not going to be much of a Christian because you cannot not pray and be a Christian. You say, whoa, what do you mean now, preacher? Well, what is a Christian? A Christian is someone, uh, according to the, the, of the word of God, when they said to the people there in Antioch, those are Christians. And what they meant was those people was following Christ and they were associated with Christ, so they were called Christians. But Christ, what, what did he do? He prayed. And the disciples saw him praying more than he was preaching. And they saw him praying more than they saw him witnessing. And they said to the Lord, Lord, would you teach us to pray? I wonder why. Because it was priority in his life. He said, he said over and over in the Bible, I can do nothing without the Father. And we can learn something from that. You young preachers can learn something from that. You moms and dads can go, listen, if Jesus could not do nothing without the Heavenly Father helping him, how in the world can we get off by saying, oh, I don't need to pray. I don't need that relationship. I'll tell you what, I can do nothing without the Father. Guess what? You can do nothing without the Father. Hello? You can't, you can't do it. And then when I turn to places like Romans 16, 19, it says, for your obedience has come abroad unto all men. The world look at the church and they see the world. But the world should see Christ. And the only way that the it, only way the church is going to ever see Christ in the church again is for the church to turn the church back into what Jesus said the church should be like, and it says it should be called the house of prayer. Amen. Preach the word. Amen. Been doing it 54 years. Go soul winning. Yes, sir. The Bible teaches that. Be separated. Yes, sir. The Bible teaches that. But the Bible also teaches that we should be a house of prayer. And if we obey the scripture, we will be a house of prayer. I sat here tonight and my heart was just jumping inside of me. I was rejoicing so much. And I wanted to just stand up and put both hands up in the air and say hallelujah. When Pastor Wilkerson led, led this group of people in prayer and called on men to pray and took time in the service to pray, hey, that will bring revival. That will pack the church out. Amen. But we must be obedient. And the proof of your obedience the proof that you have really got saved, the proof that you really love God, is that you do what he tells you to do. Are you doing what God tells you to do? You know, before I got saved, I had no desire to talk to God. And for many years, I, I was just a busy pastor. Soul winning. 7.30 every morning in the study, 
7.30 to 1 o'clock, I studied the Word of God as a young preacher. From, one, from about 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, I was knocking doors. I tried to live a, uh, a separated life. I tried to do everything right down through the years. But my prayer life was not what it should have been. And it went from year to year to year to year to year. And because I thought I was busy and, and because I, I, I kept saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm so busy, uh, that means I'm spiritual, but it doesn't. It doesn't mean that you're uh, spiritual at all. What it means is you're busy. We don't need busyness. We need spirituality. We need Christianity. We need to be real. We need to get back to obeying what the Bible says to do and do it. Obedience is proof that you really love God. So can I ask you? How much time have you spent with God in the last week? How much time have you actually spent talking to him and letting him talk back to you this week? Do we want revival? To have revival, we must answer these questions. And then number two, I want you to notice this. Obedience is the precursor of the blessings of God. Would you look in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 27 and 28, which says at the beginning of verse 27, and I'll give you time to turn there, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 27 and 28, the Bible, the Bible says this, church, a blessing if, Ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. And I know that this is Old Testament under the law, but it is a truth found throughout God's word. This is the principle found from Genesis through Revelation. Obey and you'll be blessed. Disobey and you'll be cursed. America is being cursed. Because we have quit obeying the commands of God. And God is trying to wake us up, isn't he? But we're going to have to be obedient. We can't just hear his voice and do nothing about it. We have to hear his voice and then obey what he tells us to do. Look in chapter 1 of the book of Isaiah. Here, my friend, lies this basic formula for God's blessings. If you're saved, you ought to desire the blessings of God in your life above all else. Isaiah in chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, the Bible says, If, if ye be willing, are you willing tonight? First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana, are you willing tonight to stand and say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to have real revival, real revival, real revival where souls are saved, 
and people's hearts are turned upside down, and souls are added to the church. Amen? I'm willing to do that this day. Listen to what it says. If you be willing and obedient, he shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and, he, and rebel, he shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord have spoken it. Wow. The thing that God is saying is this. Obey and you will be blessed. Disobey, and you will be cursed. Amen. Every nation that turns away from God is going to be turned into hell, the Bible says. And unless we turn back to God, there's no hope for us. Until we get to the point of that we're not living on past histories and we're not living on this and that, but get back to living from day to day, disloving Jesus and doing what he says. John 14, 20, 21 says, if you, if you have my commandments, I see Bibles all over this building. I see Bibles everywhere. But does that really mean that you believe it? Just because we have it? Does that mean that Brother Beckham loves God because I have a copy of the Bible? I just put, I just put my study together some months back, and, and my wife kept telling me, you keep saying you have 40 Bibles. You got over 100 Bibles. I said, boy, I am really spiritual now. Wow. You mean to tell me, Jeanette, I have 100 Bibles? She said, you have over 100. I said, man, I am a super duper now because I got all these Bibles. Just because we have the written word, doesn't mean we love God, folks. That verse, verse 21 says, if you have the commandments and you keep the commandments, he is that loveth me. But if we just have it and walk around with it and say we believe it and not be obedient to it, That's not sending the right message to this world. I mean a world that's dying quickly and heading straight to hell tonight. It's going to be people like us that's going to have to wake up and be obedient to this book. Amen. One asked George Mueller, the secret of Christian service. Mueller said, there was a day when I died, utterly died. And as he spoke, he bent lower and lower until he almost touched the floor.
And he said, died to George Mueller, his opinions, his preferences, his tastes, and will die to the world, its approval, our censor, died to the approval, our blame, even of my brethren and friends. And since then I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. Why did God bless George Mueller? Because he died to George Mueller. He died to the world. He even died of the breath to the brethren. He died. He mortified. He crucified his life. That's the reason why he could get on his knees and pray in millions of dollars back in his day to feed hungry orphans. That's the reason. A young preacher said to me not long ago, Brother Beckham, I would love to be like George Mueller. I would love to be like uh, uh, all those great preachers. I said, no, son. I doubt that you will be willing to do what it will take just by listening to you and watching you. And I love him. But I wasn't going to lie to him. I said, son, to be like George Miller, you're going to have to die to yourself. Church, if we're going to have the blessings of God to reign upon us again, we're going to have to be obedient. Amen? Yeah, we're going to have to. Brother Benny cannot live on, on my past ministry. I can't do it. I got to live today. I got to answer the questions that the Holy Ghost is asking me today, tonight. And you are, you, you are too. And then I want you to look at the third thing tonight. Obedience is the preventer of contamination. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 4. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and ye serve him and cleave unto him. The obeying his voice results in the sentence at the end of verse 5. So thou shalt put the evil away from the midst of thee. Bible Baptist Church, York, Pennsylvania again. I remember preaching this message there in the beginning of those seven weeks. I remember seeing a young pastor break down in the pulpit and begin to weep. One of the Howes Anderson grads he began to weep. He would hit the pulpit. And he would say, oh my. And he, would, and he would weep. And he would weep. And he would beg his people, let's get cleaned up. Let's get cleaned up. Let's get the evil out of our midst. Let's be what God wants us to be. Amen. He said, I'm going to put three trash cans down in front of the church. I didn't tell him to do that. The Holy Ghost did. And he said, I want you to go home tonight. I want you to get the bag. 
and I want you to get boxes, and I want you to clean out your house where, where God can do something in this church. Amen. And I'm telling you, that next night, they started walking down the aisles with garbage bags. I'm talking about 55-gallon garbage bags. And I, I ran down Brother Wilkinson to help one of the men because it looked like he was struggling, and he was. I said, what in the world do you have in this bag? And he said, preacher, I said, Aren't you, wasn't you a pastor at one time? He, he said, yeah, I was a preacher at one time. And he said, I, but I, I, I got away from God. And he said, I got back in the world. And, and he said, all the, all the stuff that I went back to is in this bag. I want to give, I want to put it in the trash can. I want to get right with God. And he got saved, hallelujah. He said, well, why didn't you tell him he's already saved? He was a preacher. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you're a preacher. Spurgeon said he would never tell someone they are saved when they say they are lost. He told me he was lost, so I said, hey, someone get a Bible and win this man to the Lord. Amen. I couldn't even pick the thing up. Men standing, 25 men in this great church addicted to filth, all kind of stuff. Brother Shutt told me, he said, Brother Beckham, you, you travel all the country and out of the country, and you can spread this news about, my, about Bible Baptist Church. He said, I don't get to go nowhere, and I don't get to share it very much, but you can. Would you do so? And I said, I'll be glad to. I'll be glad to give God credit for what he's done there. Amen? The devil gets enough credit. So... Would you turn to Romans 6, verse 16? Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? Listen, church. His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So tonight, if you're serving sin and you love sin and you enjoy sin, that's who you're serving. That's, that's who you're serving. I remember standing back and, and saying to that great church, just mind God. Amen. Just mind God. I remember sitting on the platform with John Shook, another grad of, of Hiles Anderson, one of the sweetest men, just like Bill. Sweet guys. Amen. Loves God. Boy, they love God. But it took some things. I remember him, John punching me. Service had not even started good yet. Hadn't even, hadn't even did one song yet. And the choir, the, the, the back, the, I mean, the front of the church just filled up with people, and people was getting saved and getting right and, and standing and testifying. And, and, and I remember Brother Wilkerson, Brother John poked me, and he said, Brother Beckham, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know what to do. And I said, Brother, Brother Shook, when you don't know what to do, do nothing. 
just sit here. And he sat there. And the Holy Ghost began to work. I could tell you story after story after story. But you know, they had to be obedient. They had to obey the voice of God. They had, to, they had to admit to some things that was in their life that was, uh, was just starving them to death spiritually. They had to get it out of their lives. They had to look at their spouse and say, I'm sorry, I haven't loved you like I should. And they had to look at the children, and the children had to look at... It was just, oh my, can that happen here? can happen anywhere where there's obedience, but without obedience, it won't happen. And then obedience is the evidence of relationship in Deuteronomy 27, 9 and 10. Is this helping anybody? One man said to me, Brother Beckham, that's hard to listen to. You ought to try to preach it. <laughs> you think it's hard to listen to. I told him. Told the preacher one night, I said, I, he was just looking at me. I said, you want to finish the message? I said, it's, it's the manuscript. All you have to do is come up here. He said, no, sir, you go ahead and preach it. Yeah, it's tough sometimes. And then lastly, obedience is the secret of victory. Brother Wilkerson, thank you for letting me come. You know, I, I, I just want victory. That's all I want. Uh, I started off good. 16-year-old, red-headed, freckled face. Little guy that couldn't talk plain and stuttered. Had a terrible speech impediment. Stuttered. Red-headed, freckled face. But God called me to preach anyway. And from that day to this night, I just want victory. I just want, I just want to please him. It's not about entertaining. It's not about performing. It's not about those things. I just want the blessings of God on my life. And guess what? I want that for you too. Amen. You're my family. You're my brothers. You're my sisters. And I want that for you too. But the only way we're going to have it, the only way we're going to have this victory is in Deuteronomy chapter 30. In verse 2 it says, And thou... Obey his voice. In verse 3, Then the Lord, thy God, will turn thy captivity.
But it's going to only be when we obey. Would you do this for me tonight? Let's not let this just be an invitation, an average invitation. No, let's not, let's not do that. Let's not grieve God or quench God. But everyone, I see gray hair everywhere. Let us older people show the younger people that we can still live for God when we get older. You can live with God for God when you're middle age, teenagers, children. But you got to make sure that you know him. Then you got to make sure you love him. And those two things will give you victory. So in a few moments, I'm going to pray. I'm going to stand. Let's not let this be one of these 10% walks down the aisles. 10% does everything, 10%, 10%. R.A. Torrey said in the 1800s that he, he believed that 90% of the people that went to church was lost in the 1800s. Let's not just be Christian in name only, but let's be Christian in action tonight. And let's let him know that we want revival at the First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. Amen? Let's let him know that we are serious tonight.